you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the League Podcast. Controlled the ball and got both feet in bounds. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Another day. What's happening? Another day, another day. Division preview. Not just another day. Yeah, you're right. Our well, whole, it is another day. Our whole year, I feel like we've been studying for a test, and the test is this weekend. <laughs> Divisional round. <laughs> a lot of the teams think they've been working up to this moment, but the real story is us. And what we've been working toward, and that is delivering a high-level podcast on Thursday and then watching the game Sunday and evaluating them. <laughs> True story. And Saturday. Yeah, and Saturday. Oh, Dan, not even a, sure what day these <laughs> games happen. I wasn't planning on watching them. All right, so we have, a, we have a, uh, obviously a big show. This will be our proper preview of Saturday and Sunday's games. Uh, but why don't we start with one bit of big NFL news that is not playoff-related. The Washington Redskins couldn't be further away from the playoffs right now. But they move forward today. NFL media's Jeff Tarlington reported Thursday morning that Jake Rudin and the Redskins have finalized the deal to make him the successor to Mike Shanahan. Uh, Rap Sheet reported that Gruden received a five-year deal per a source informed of the contract. Five years for Jake Gruden. That's a little surprising, right? It is. I don't know if Greg Jay Gruden will end up being a great coach, but if I was a Redskins fan, I'd be depressed. You went from Mike Shanahan and his son, Old Boys Network, to your GM Bruce Allen used to be in cahoots with John Gruden. <laughs> cahoots. You make it you make it sound like they were doing a legal activity. They won a Super Bowl. <laughs> Who knows what kind of illegal activities they were doing? <laughs> but now he hires his brother, you know, I thought Damashek's joke was good. The Browns are about to hire Tarico's brother. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Wes. I, I think it's tough if you're 
after what the Redskins fans have been through this season to get fired up about this because the problem is a week, a couple of weeks ago it was like can someone go out there and get John Gruden seen as the real deal and it's like no but someone's gone and got his brother who the results in Cincinnati the regular season might be nice but in big spots Gruden just to me feels like an an offense that is unimaginative conservative and now he's got RG3 there's an argument to be made and some people in Tampa, someone sent me an email about this that it worked with the Buccaneers. They always thought Jay was the sharper guy because he was an offensive assistant back then. He's run a fran- – if you want to make the case for Jay Gruden, he's run a couple franchises. I mean, they were in the AFL and the UFL, but I really think that's great experience, that he was a GM and a, practically an owner of those teams. Mark Tressman just came from the CFL. That Guys that are good coordinators are sometimes not great head coaches and vice versa. So – I'm open-minded about Jay Gruden. I'm not that open-minded about Jim Hazlitt. That's, He's been you a, want to talk about old boys network. It's like they're old friends. And right. Why would you make that decision? He's been a bad defensive coordinator for a long time. And people say they don't have talent. They have some talent there. They're the only defense that's been above average for Jim Hazlitt in yards or points in the last seven years was last year's Redskins. He's been terrible. Jay Gruden in three playoff games in Cincinnati. His offenses have scored two touchdowns. How about, how about <laughs> Jake Rudin? I, I wrote this on Twitter yesterday. I feel like Jake Rudin getting out of out of Cincinnati is like Air Force One and Independence Day taking off with President Bill Pullman with the fireball right behind him, and it just gets away. <laughs> this is going to happen. Just as Andy Dalton begins his Mark Sanchez, Sanchez fall, Jay Gruden is safe with a five-year contract. Well, that is the other side away. of this. I mean, we have seen Gruden have to run – his West Coast offense with Andy Dalton as the lead character. It will be interesting to see what or how that offense changes with RG3, but he's got, a, in theory, a much better quarterback. Yeah, it depends how you want to look at it. You could look at it like he got Andy Dalton to have the third most touchdowns in the league. That's pretty miraculous, and give him credit for that. RG3 had some interesting comments, or it was through a source Ian Rappaport reported today that He's hoping to have a more pro-style offense and not as much read option. What's he going to say? It just is a little weird that he's that- he's sending his opinions about what he wants. I I think they, I think Gruden's going to mix in. That's par Gr- for the course with RG three to send his opinions through intermediaries. Yeah, that it's not a great sign. Is it his wishes or his father's wishes? I don't know, but I think Gruden, if he was getting Andy Dalton on the move and doing some read options in Cincinnati. It'd be crazy not to have him run. It doesn't mean it's the base of your offense, but Russell Wilson runs. They'll, they'll call some runs for Cam Newton. There's no reason to not call some runs for RG3. That, that interview that Gruden did earlier in the week that we referenced in Tuesday's podcast, he, it's interesting that he mentioned he didn't want to draft Kaepernick because he didn't want any part of the read option offense. Hmm. He did say back then. Back then, yeah. He's, he's admitted that the NFL has changed. And one one more thing before we move on. If you are a Redskins fan and you're a little upset about this hiring, keep in mind that Jay Gruden was one of the more entertaining aspects of Hard Knocks this past summer. Um, I will read one quote he had. He had the rant of the, the summer um, during Hard Knocks, one of the episodes. You've got to have great attention to detail, not just on Sundays. On Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. If you want to mull around at 500, and then come out here and around and But if you want to be great, then you have to set your standards high and come out there and get it every day. If you want to look at the other side and be depressed about the Redskins, (laughs) 
Here you go, Redskins fans, your new coaching staff. Head coach and defensive coordinator were in the UFL four years ago, <laughs> and your offensive coordinator was two years out of college. Yeah. Mm. All right. <clears throat> so good luck with that, Washington. Moving forward. All right. So let's get in. Let's get into the games. This is fun. We will start with uh, the Saturday night game. We're also going to get the uh, ATL Chicago correspondent, Kevin Patra, involved in a few minutes. But we'll start with the Saturday night game. The Indianapolis Colts travel to Foxborough to face the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, the backstory here, these teams did not face off this season. But obviously this is a, a really interesting matchup between Andrew Luck and the Colts coming off that crazy 45-44 comeback, comeback win over the Chiefs and now face a Patriots team that's obviously been hit hard by injuries this year but still you know, made their way to the 12 wins they always seem to get to. They got the bye. They, they're in their, on their home turf. They're favorites here. But a lot of people, I feel like I'm hearing a lot of buzz that the Colts are the popular buzz pick here. Are we uh, buying in on this? Some Every, people are. Everywhere I turn, everybody's expecting the Patriots to blow the Colts out. Well, I know blow some them out. I know some people in this room picked the Colts. Chris Wesseling. I picked How the dare Colts. you? This is a soft. <laughs> this is a soft Patriots team. I don't understand where all the respect's coming from. They have what two quality wins all year. They came back and beat a Saints team that never plays well on the road unless they're playing the Eagles. And they came back and beat a Broncos team when they were down 24 and got thoroughly outplayed in the first half. And they had Gronkowski for that game. I don't think the Patriots are that good of a team. I think they're a little like the Colts, that they're greater than the sum of their parts, that they've been very tough in terms of coming back in games. I think they've had a little more magic to them than previous Uh Patriots team. And I like this running game, and the weather is going to be a huge factor in this game. It's supposed to be pouring rain at 1 o'clock on Saturday. The game is not till nighttime. The rain is supposed to continue through the night. The field's going to be a mess. I It's crazy. I hate to see that in a game that features two great quarterbacks, but I think that favors the Patriots. I think this is one of the best running Patriots teams we've seen in a while, that it's not just running out of spread formations and getting good looks. They're beating teams by running. You got Blunt back. You got Vereen. You got Brandon Bolden. Rumford Johnny gave me some trash about not being positive enough about the Patriots. I, I definitely think they're going to win. <laughs> well, Greg give me is a, a Patriots fan, but that sounded uh, relatively balanced well, to me there. <laughs> the funny thing, you say, Wes, that you think this is a, a weak Patriot team um, relative to other seasons. Greg, I've sat next to Greg all season. Greg is of the mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, that and you made the magic reference already, <laughs> that this team shares some type of DNA with those early Patriots teams. Like, listen, we're not the most talented team. We're not going to blow the doors off you. But we got that little extra factor that's going to take us all the way this year. Fair? Yeah. I think the Patriots have done their best traditionally in years where little is expected. 2007 was like that going to the year. People don't remember. 2011 was like that. They tend to do better in these spots. I think if you're New England, you've got to find a way to take T.Y. Hilton out of this game. If you do, the Colts are a very different offense. But I picked Indianapolis because I don't think that's going to happen. And also, Andrew Luck, throw all the stats out. You come at me with all the metrics you want. Andrew Luck... They just got 44 points dumped on them on them last week. It didn't matter. This guy, he's going to have that moment in his career if we if he is who we think he is, or he's going to do the impossible and slay the beast. This is New England right here. Last week, how about that was last week? Well, no, last week's the <laughs> wild card hoping. round. I mean, it's it's a series of games in the playoffs where luck becomes that guy. This is a major moment for him right here. We wrote each of us or four of us wrote previews ahead of the games that you could find on the around the league. Uh, 
page on NFL, NFL.com. The matchup to watch, and one thing that could really the, – the Patriots are in danger with is T.Y. Hilton, who you know obviously exploded on a level no one predicted last week, 224 yards, two touchdowns, and now he's going against a, a Patriots secondary that's not healthy. Um, Aqib Tlaib, who might be the most natural fit to cover him, he's got a hip that, Wes, you remarked a couple days ago that he hasn't been the same guy since he suffered that injury. So you you worry about the Patriots' ability to keep Hilton from ruining their game plan on defense. You worry about being able to take Andrew Luck down because I've always contended Tom Brady was the best quarterback in NFL history at pocket movement when he came into the league. But I think he's getting replaced by that because Andrew Luck is like the evolutionary Tom Brady. He's so good at that. Plus, he's way more athletic and can run uh, if he needs to and, and scramble. That, that was what was so impressive last week. I, I just think they're going to have a hard time taking Luck down and, and stopping him from scoring a lot of points in this game. That fumble conversion touchdown, I don't mm. think there's another quarterback in the history <laughs> of the NFL that would have made that play. I could kind of see Steve Young making that play. Yeah. I don't know if he would have. It seemed like, like Luck that. was ready for that fumble to happen even before it happened. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think the instincts part of it, Luck, for I don't sure. know if Big Ben would have had that. There is something about that, you know, the, his GM compared him to Michael Jordan and they're 52 in these close games. It, it is ridiculous how money he is in those spots. I think the Patriots have to think about them a little bit like the Chargers think about Peyton Manning, that it's not the worst thing in the world to control the ball. I think they'll be more of a ball control type of team. The Colts defense really struggled with the short passing game of the Chiefs last week to the running backs, uh, especially. I could see just Tom Brady throwing seven-yard pass to Vereen, five to Bolden, nine to Edelman, and just holding the ball for a lot of this game. I picked the Patriots myself. I, I saw I see a 24-17 oh, yeah. type win. I wrote that, and I will say one thing. I, I, it was a very hard game for me to pick. All these games are very hard, and coming off my one and three wild card performance. Two of them were very easy. All right, we'll get to that. Right. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. But, uh, no, I mean, and a big reason I ultimately sided with the Patriots, even though I agree that they haven't really been that impressive this season for large stretches. I, I bet on Brady and Belichick with this extra prep time, I, I think – a lot of that, it's hard for me to pick against them in that spot. But I will say this: Tom Brady, seventeen and seven career postseason record, but he started fourteen and two, which is just insane. By the way, he's three and five since two thousand eight, that first Super Bowl loss to the Giants. Losing in the postseason has become pretty. Uh, it's become pretty common for this Patriots mm-hmm. team. So my my pick going a, a, a lot of it going toward my faith in the Patriots and what they've done. They're, they haven't done a lot in the last seven or eight years to earn that. No lead is safe in this game. These might be the two best teams at making big comebacks this year. So I think it's. I really hope the rain doesn't ruin the passing game because this is not even just being a Patriots homer. I think this shapes up Luck on his way to being kind of the next quarterback. Brady still at the top. I mean, it shapes up as an awesome divisional round game. Is this the week that... Finally, Trent Richardson rumbles for 100 yards in inclement weather. <laughs> he said yesterday he wants could, redemption. Could be. could be. He had the – and for those that didn't follow Trent Richardson's day last weekend too closely, he had the first carry in the first quarter and fumbled it and never touched the ball again. Stayed in the game, uh, did some things in blocking, actually served as a nice decoy on a touchdown, I believe, by Luck. Uh, well, later it wasn't a, was a touchdown, but first down, first down run. Yeah. Oh, right. It was actually first did a conversion. beautiful job on that play. So, I mean, but that's where we're at now with Trent Richardson, where we have to – that's the sell that Richardson is still valuable <laughs> to that team. It's pretty amazing. Greg likes to see the overarching 
like long view and things. Like this play means this team's going to do something this year. <laughs> Classic, Greg. The Andrew Luck fumble play has me thinking you could see this on a highlight reel 10 years from now. They go on and beat the Patriots, maybe end up in the Super Bowl. It's so funny you say that because as we were talking a couple minutes ago, I was picturing Andrew Luck with his stupid giant beard holding a Lombardi <laughs> trophy. And I was like, would it be that insane if they got hot in January? Does here? that beard we talked just about get that a few weeks ago? Week. Yeah. It's getting He's bigger. not shaving it no matter what happens at this point. Do you guys want a couple of mind-blowing stats from this game from our uh, stats and information department? Not really. All right. Well, I'll give it to you anyway. <laughs> the Colts' victory over the Chief mark, marked the fourth game of the season. Indy overcame a double-digit deficit to win a game since 1940. Only the Colts and 2011 Lions, the immortal 2011 Lions, won four games in which they trailed by 12 or more points. Now, that's the good news. The bad news, the Colts went 0-3 the week after they overcame those double-digit deficits, getting outscored 97-28 to in those games. Mm. The, Let down. Uh, the Lions being included in really cheap. It's yeah, I know. Cheap it's <laughs> I know. Um, Mind blown. By the way, if Trent Richardson is the difference in this game, I'm going to stick a fork in Dan's eye sitting next to me on Saturday. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be so annoyed. And I won't even be mad. I'll wear a patch for the rest of my life and be like, it was Trent Richardson. And I'd probably be like, oh, okay. All right, we'll hit our next game. It is the first game we'll watch on Saturday, and – uh, to get into this game, we will bring on the man who wrote the game preview. He is our around-the-league Chicago correspondent. He is the great Kevin Patra coming at you. Hey, I don't know about great, but I'm good. You have no more NFC North teams to talk about, so we've got you on another game. Diversification. Let's that, do it. That's very good. All right, so Kevin Patra, we have this game coming up. The Seattle Seahawks, of course, um, known as the best home team in the league this year. And they are now facing the New Orleans Saints. This is a rematch from Week 13 when the Seattle Seahawks beat up on the Saints, a 34-7 whooping. Now the Saints are back coming off that nice win over the Eagles on the road that you know helped their reputation a bit and I'm sure their confidence about being able to play outside the Superdome. But they're going to the link. What is it, Wes? Century Link Field. Boom. Uh, obviously known as one of the best home field advantages in the league, if not the best. Kevin Patra, I would love to know your thoughts on this game. Well, I went back and watched that uh, that beatdown more than once, <clears throat> actually two and a half times. Wow. And and the fact is that the, Saint, the Seahawks just are a better team. Um, even now, even with the Saints proving they could win on a ro- on the road, it's it's much different going into City Link. And, and um, it's it's not Philly. This is a team that has the best defense in the league. They take away what, what Drew Brees does best, which is big plays. If you watch that Week 13 game, Drew Brees had only one pass over 10 yards in the first half. He only had four the entire game. Jimmy Graham had two 20-yard catches, and that was about it for him as well. They take away the big plays. They make you move the ball down the field, and that's not playing to the same strength. They, they have run the ball better in the last couple of weeks, but I don't see them able to do that same thing this week. And we talked about the rain in New England. It's also supposed to be heavy rain in Seattle. You have to think, even though the Saints ran the ball pretty well last week, that the conditions favored Seattle quite a bit. No question. Uh, we saw Drew Brees struggle in Week 16 when the monsoon happened in Carolina. They they couldn't move the ball through the air. I I don't see why people are not predicting a blowout for this game. Every sign points to it. It's mm. a horrible matchup for the Saints. I agree. They 
Seattle does everything well that the Saints do poorly, and I don't see I don't see any way the Saints even keep this close. Kevin, you think it could be close? Why is that? At least well, at I, least closer. I, I have it as a, I have it as a double. Um, they're gonna I, I cut the cut their lead, the win last week last time in half and twenty six thirteen was the score I have uh, because I think that there, there were a lot of fluky plays that went Seattle's way that time that I don't think that they will have. They had a touchdown that uh, ricocheted off two people. They had. Uh, Zach Miller had a 60-yard touchdown run where nobody was even close to him, and he hasn't done that. I mean, he, that, that's not who he is. So, um, And I think that the Seattle offense, although, you know, Percy Harvin might uh, boost them a little bit this week, I don't – they haven't been clicked the last few weeks for me. So I think that, that they could struggle, especially if it is rainy. I think Russell Wilson could struggle to get his uh, wide receivers open and the ball in, in a space where they can make plays. You know, it's like New Orleans had four guys with 70-plus catches. So it's not that there's one weapon that you've got to take out if you're most teams. But we talked about New England where maybe Aqib Tlaib and help shut down T.Y. Hilton. There's no weak spot in Seattle's secondary, and that's not news to anyone. But that, I think, Breeze just doesn't have that guy that he can victimize and target all day long. It doesn't exist. I watched that game again, and the thing that stuck out to me is they, they're going to get one-on-one matchups. They're going to get guys going down the field one-on-one for deep plays, and that's what the Saints would love to do. But they don't have a wide receiver that's going to win. They don't have – Robert Meacham is a shell of him for himself. He couldn't even make the Chargers. They need him or Kenny Stills to you know beat people because Jimmy Graham's going to get so much attention because he's so much better than the rest of the team. They need those guys to win, and it hasn't been happening. The Seahawks have the best pass defense we've seen in decades. Yeah. They can be beat every once in a while on, on the run, but not at home. They get off the ball so much more quickly than the offensive line at home. That defensive line, they're really good at home again. And to me, there will be false starts. Pat, Pat you've got a, it was a huge factor. You've got time. a rookie left tackle making his third career start mm-hmm. in the loudest venue in sports. There's going to be false starts. Patrick, let me ask you a question. Are we sleeping perhaps – a lot of us are picking a blowout. You're not picking a very close game. Uh, are we sleeping on Bad Santa a little bit? He just outsmarted. Yeah. He just outsmarted Chip Kelly. Um, uh, the Saints allowed 256 yards last week against a dynamic Eagles offense. Uh, now he's going to Seattle, and you said yourself there was a little fluky some of the things that happened the first time. So I'm willing to throw that out to, to some degree. How about Rob Ryan being an X factor here? Well, I think you definitely have to take that into consideration, but I think the overriding factor for me was exactly what Wes said, where the location of the game takes place. Both of these teams have five-game uh, playoff home winning streaks. So I think at the end of the day, I think any any positive from Rob Ryan, he has his, he has his defense playing well. But Kenny Vaccaro was key in that other game in the, in the previous matchup. These two teams played, and he's not out there. So uh, I think that, I think the home field advantage will override anything that Rob Ryan can bring to the table. You know, and Rob Ryan did a nice job neutralizing Chip Kelly's offense after having a lot of tape on Chip Kelly's offense. One guy he hasn't seen is Percy Harvin, hmm. who, as far as we know, looks like he's in line to maybe play. It's obviously on a pitch count, but what, 15, 20 snaps? That guy only needs a couple plays to completely wreck Whatever it is New Orleans was planning to do on or, defense. Or, two or, or a couple plays to wreck his hip again and be True. out for the season. One or the other. <laughs> That's what happened last time. Let's, you're right. Good, let's give Bad Santa some credit. 256 yards against a much, much better offense last week. 
I, I don't know how it works with this Saints defense, but you, you mentioned the home field advantage being the difference. And, and I agree the Saints have a huge uphill battle. They were home for Arizona, and their yep. offense stunk. They were home for that Week 17 game against St. Louis. It took a while for the offense to pull away from St. Louis in that game. Russell Wilson has not been good for a month. If, you're gonna, if the Saints are going to win this game, especially in a rainstorm, they, the Saints just have to be great on defense again, and it could be a 7-7 a seven to seven game at halftime, and the Saints run a little bit. I could see that happening where it's close for a while because of that. That's Why it. not? That's it, yeah. You've been doubting bad Santa all year, Wesley. You about, said they had no chance. You're forgetting about the Reckoning. two, two pick-sixes for the Seahawks and a fumble return for a touchdown. How many games have we seen them play at home where they get these defense and special teams touchdowns? They're, I, I don't see how one of those things doesn't happen. I mean, they're, they're a machine at home. One thing, though, the Seahawks, that is their Achilles heel this season, I feel like, is the offense is known to go into the tank at times, which is strange because you have Russell Wilson and you have Marshawn Lynch, and you would think that's not going to happen. But they have gone through funks. I mean, it's it's certainly possible that they they aren't, even with Percy Harvin potentially there, that they can start slow again and Rob Ryan gets going. And the div- This could be closer than people think. <laughs> I, I'm almost yeah, talking I myself into it. I would say Seattle yeah. doesn't have an Achilles heel. They, they've line. got a potential weakness that might hurt them to some degree, but this team is so heads and tails better than the Saints that you're right. We need something crazy to happen for this pass to go protection. Way. I think it's pass protection. I think they're one of the worst teams in the league. Recent events have people deluded and <laughs> into thinking the Saints are almost as good as the Seahawks, and they're just not. No, and, no one's saying that. And the and the problem I think for the Saints, if if you're trying to even make a case for them, is. Drew Brees has stunk for three straight road games. He was bad last week. That got overlooked. He did not play well. He did not play well in Seattle. He did not play well in Carolina. I was kind of shocked to rewatch that game and see how how poorly Brees played against Philly. And so he, that's a good thing for the Saints? No, no, I'm saying uh, that's where you can't – it's hard to make the case yes. for the Saints there. And uh, if you and we should, yeah, we should say stay tethered to reality that the Seahawks are <laughs> a huge favorite. The Seahawks went 3-1 and one against the remaining NFC playoff teams, outscoring them by a total of 92-36. to 36. Ouch. Did not allow more than seven points in any of, their, any of the wins. This is a really freaking good team, and – they should be able to take Dan, care of business. you need this to happen because you got that tweet oh. out there. Ow! Need it. <laughs> I'm going to get it. So if the if the Saints do win this game, we should get Patcher or Wesley, someone to agree to do something ridiculous since you're giving them no chance at all. Did anyone pick, sure, I'm did always, anyone up, pick I'm the Saints? I'm always up for that. No. Will you eat your softball pants, Wes? No. no, but I'll cook all of you spaghetti sauce. <laughs> oh, mm. man. Wes made some delicious spaghetti mm-hmm. sauce for me recently. It was almost a chili in its consistency. Chris, we will or Kevin, we will send you that sauce if if the Saints somehow win this game. None of us picked the Saints, by the way. We all picked the Seahawks. Right. All right, Kevin. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, you know it's always great to hear your voice. It's very beautiful. And try to get outside every once in a while. Get Get back to work. Get back to work. Negative twelve degrees out. Uh, (laughs) That's ridiculous. (laughs) That's laughable, man. Laughable. Thank you, Kevin. I feel bad. I feel bad. This is a major story in the United States the last few weeks. The weather across the country, and then this little pocket of America where we happen to live in Southern California. It's just glorious, seventy-one mm. to seventy-four degrees with the sun shining every day. My whole family and all my friends in New York are literally dying on Facebook, and this is apparently going all across America. I was a little bitter yesterday. I had the day off, and it was just cool enough to where I couldn't go to the pool. <laughs> I don't feel bad. Maybe that shows how we're different. I yeah. I feel lucky and happy that I'm here and that the other guy the other people are fools. Including your loved ones, you're saying. 
Your parents, hey, they like it. Your they parents seem, out in Massachusetts with see, the cold wind whipping listen, everyone their everyone has They seem to like it. They <laughs> seem to like it. Every crazy. human being has choices. Call them fools. I called Cincinnati's chumps last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Moving on. The San Diego Chargers coming off their win over the Bengals. The Bengals. Wes says uh, they can't have nice things. They didn't have a playoff win. So now the Chargers move on to Denver where they are. You know, they, they're probably the biggest underdog this weekend. They're going to face the Denver Broncos with Peyton Manning, the record-setting season. I will ask you, Mark Sessler, do the Chargers have any chance of pulling out the upset? Well, real quick, there is a convict in uh, Pennsylvania <laughs> who filed a motion to have the Chargers removed from the playoff race because he doesn't think not only that they do not have a chance in this game, but they don't belong there in the first place. That's now, true. He, he filed a temporary emergency injunction from a prison. <laughs> and his name was my favorite part, Daniel L. Spuck. Yeah, and now, listen, I don't know when this guy's getting out of the big house, so I don't want to say anything too negative about I him. I'm sure say, he's a wonderful guy. I wouldn't say anything. He reminds me, yesterday I was at a FedEx, and there was a guy who had weird photographs up and he had a letter addressed to the president and a, a big thing said president obama my daughter grabbed one of his little photos and i was worried for our life this sounds <laughs> sounds that, to be in the same ballpark potentially so in the same Obama family of disaster that was that there are plot elements from the uh, old clint eastwood movie in the line of fire there. yes did he have a plastic gun <laughs> to be determined anyway I don't, you know look i Mark. look at i think this game we've we saw what the Chargers have done over the last month, and really, if it's a laboratory for them trying to figure out how to beat Denver, uh, it worked in one game. I think at the first game, Wesley pointed out this morning, that first game between San Diego and Denver is a bit of a mirage. Denver scored a rash of points early, and the game hinged down the stretch a bit differently. What they did in Thursday night, five, five six weeks ago, was it was legitimate in my book. And McCoy coached a good game and found a way to do what you need to do against Denver, and that's keep Peyton Manning off the field. They've averaged 38 minutes of possession time in the two games against Denver. That's, that's the recipe. We learned that playing uh, Madden and Tech Mobile back in the day. Keep your high-scoring opponent off the field, and you can, you can win games in a way that San Diego wants to. I wrote the, the, re, the write-up for this thing and, and looked at a lot of numbers that suggested there might be this possible upset brewing. <laughs> but then I got in my... And I picked an upset. And then I got in my car, and as if, you know, human emotions and sensibilities came back to me, I texted Greg and I said, no way. <laughs> I, I just think Denver also has two games to stew on and think about and come back with their approach. I don't love Denver's defense any more than anyone else. But Denver's going to roll in this game. They're going to roll. Another blowout. Another blowout. Why even watch the games, Wesleyan says. Blowouts don't, everywhere. It's going to be a blowout. It's, it's, I don't know about blowout, but I think they're going to win. It's, we're not going to get Baltimore what, Ravens what, part two. What have we seen from these two teams playing and Peyton Manning's postseason history that suggests 42-17? to 17? Let's see. The first game everyone's calling a close game was not a close game. But why does the second half of that game not count? People always of say that, that that they control the game because they were head first. The Chargers controlled the game in the second half. They had the ball with a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Of course it counts. The Broncos won. Right. But it was a close game, kind of like the second game was right. a close game and the Chargers won. This is how people are reaching. If the Chargers play a close game, it means they're going to win. No, the Broncos are the better team. Of course they're the better team. Peyton Manning. 
I went back and watched his last few games of the season. Has more zip on the ball. Is throwing down the field more than any time I can remember in the past three or four years. Uh, those wobblers that we saw earlier in the season, the floaters, he's not throwing those anymore. He's throwing with zip on inter- intermediate throws and accurately 40 yards down the field, torching defenses. When they played this close game a few weeks ago, Wes Welker didn't play. Julius Thomas was coming off an ankle injury. This is the healthiest this offense has been since earlier in the year when they were smashing teams, and I expect that to continue again this week. Manning was dropping bombs late in the season. That's why I'm a little worried about my hero pick, the San Diego Chargers. I thought, I thought <laughs> wow. Mark was with me, and I decided, you know, I didn't like rooting against the Chargers last week. I was really annoyed that I had picked against them. I want to watch things and root for them and pick the teams I want to win. So and you I, picked against Peyton Manning so in the 2013 season. So I went with the Chargers because they're a pretty good team right now. They do a little bit of everything. They've been playing good defense lately. They have a quarterback that can go toe-to-toe. With Peyton Manning, I really believe it. In in his best day, Philip Rivers can do it. The one concern is that Chargers secondary, which hasn't been properly exposed in a while, and it could show up. I mean, a big weakness could show up any week. But this is a tough-minded team, this Chargers team. They've been playing very well for a long time. I don't think you can just ignore the fact that they won in this stadium just a few weeks ago. How is that not relevant? I'm not trying to discredit the the Chargers. I think what John Pagano has done with that defense has been excellent. I think he's shown an ability to upset Peyton Manning's timing and to get him throwing off the back foot. And I think that's the key to stopping the Broncos. I just don't think they can do it three times in one season. Pagano, by the way, 6-5 and five against Manning as the Ooh. coordinator in San Diego. And I also, I'm not saying that everyone should believe this. This is what I believe. In both of the games they played earlier this year, if there were 10 minutes more on the scoreboard, the Broncos probably would have had at least two more touchdowns in both games because they just blow up at a moment's notice. Well, here's here's the way I look at it. I think think the Broncos are the favorite in this game. I think they'll win. Uh, The Chargers have a way to win this game. It's how they've been winning games of late. It's ball control. It's it's Danny Woodhead. It's Ryan Matthews. But if they can't do that, if they find themselves down 14-3, at the end of the first quarter or down two scores after five minutes and that goes out the window and then Philip Rivers has to throw 40 times, it's going to be a bloodbath. So the first quarter is going to probably tell us everything about this game because if this game gets to halftime and it's 10-7 or 13-10 and Den- everybody's getting tight at the Mile <laughs> High Stadium and Denver and, the, and Peyton Manning, they start flashing up graphics about his struggles in the playoffs, then something weird could happen. So I think the first quarter will determine this game. Can I ask a quick question? Because Peyton Manning, and I, I know we don't care about this. It doesn't have anything to do with this game. But he is 1-4 in four in games, first playoff games after the bye. And that is the worst record of any quarterback since the wild card round was introduced in 1978. Let me just ask this. If they lose this game after what happened last season, how bad is the fallout in Denver? What's the reaction? I mean, that would be would that change your feelings about this Peyton Manning career? I don't see what would possibly change. It's not like they're going to go away from Peyton Manning as their quarterback. It's not like they're not going to it's not like they're going to change their plans for the 2014 season. He'll get if killed in the media. Yeah, destroyed. I think that's largely a media issue. Uh, Dave Damashek and Adam Rank will go skinny dipping <laughs> off Santa Monica Pier. <laughs> there will be a, a great celebration for the nation of Peyton Manning haters, but ultimately, you know, I, I think it it will just basically reinforce that he's the best regular season quarterback ever and then a playoff liability, which is not a great way liability. to be remembered. It's it's not fair, but 
Create the better team. You're right. The Broncos are a better team. Obviously, I'm picking a big upset here. But the better team doesn't always win in the playoffs. That's the playoffs. That's just sort of how it works. And you know, I had a hero pick earlier in the year for a little Colts beating Peyton Manning. Had one for the Patriots beating Peyton Manning. <laughs> Let's get a third one. And the the Philip Rivers factor. I don't think we can overlook that. This is maybe the second best quarterback in the league. And people use the word game manager Whoa. as as a pejorative. But I think he's a game manager in the best sense. He is in control. He he had four incompletions last week. He didn't throw the ball much. Two of those were throwaways. One's a miscommunication. He is controlling this thing, and he can go toe-to-toe with Manning. Here's the mind-blowing stat that backs up your point. The Chargers offense had the fewest three-and-out drives in the NFL this year with 23. Manning's Broncos were second with 31. 23 three-and-outs. Geno Smith and the Jets did that in week four. I mean, this is <laughs> that's, that's crazy, and that's all the quarterback leading, leading the charge, and Rivers has been awesome this year. We should say this real quick. If I were Greg and counting on a hero pick, the fact that Ryan Matthews couldn't play through his ankle injury in a tight game in the second half last week would have me a little bit concerned. Yeah, not as much faith in Ronnie Brown. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) All right, and let's move on now to uh, what a lot of people think, and I think we all agree in this room is the best game of the divisional round playoffs. The San Francisco 49ers travel to Charlotte to face the Carolina Panthers, uh, two teams coming off great seasons now, and the Niners, um, even though they're on the road, Wes, I ask you, are they the favorite to win this game? I don't I don't have them as a favorite. I think this is a pick em game. I'll be shocked if this is not the closest game of the weekend. Uh, first of all, they play low-scoring games, so they, they play close games. Uh, the 49ers, I think, are the most complete team in the NFL right now. The Panthers have the best defense in the NFL at home by nearly two points per game over the Seahawks. I see this as just kind of a slobber knocker like the old Titans-Ravens <laughs> of the Eddie George, Steve McNair, Titans against the Ray Lewis Ravens, that kind Ooh. of game, just hitting all over the field. Which front seven do you think is better? Go around the room here. Around. I mean, which one do you, would you take? I, I think if you put the Panthers' front seven on the Niners right now, I'm not sure they lose another game. They go to the Super Bowl and they win it. I would take the Panthers' front seven. Greg pointed this out in his game recap the last time these two teams played. Keekley and Thomas Davis outplayed Bowman and Willis. I'm not saying they're better, but they did outplay them. I love what Charles Johnson and Greg Hardy are doing. And then the inside push from Star Latulale and their rotation Star there. Star Latulale. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> you mean. I, I like the Panthers' front seven. What about Alden Smith? Is he – back to being Alden Smith at this point, or is that something we might not see until September? Because he, to me, is a major X-factor when you judge these two fronts. He's a complete nightmare. I think he's better. I think he's better now than he was last year. He's been dominating. Is he the best player out of all those, both sides? I don't know if I Mm. would say that. What, over over Hardy? I think of the pass rushers, he's better. He's better than Hardy and Johnson. Although I think Charles Johnson, who hasn't gotten a lot of attention lately, is a big factor in this game. He had two sacks in their last game, uh, not against the 49ers, two sacks in Week 17. And he really beat up on Anthony Davis of the 49ers uh, last time these two teams played. I I watched it, and Davis really struggled the whole game. So he might be someone that 
Rivera, they threw some blitzes at him. There was communication problems. Kaepernick got sacked six times. So I think they're going to attack that side of the line. This is one game where we talked in the last podcast, what's changed? And, and, and for me, you know, the, the 49ers haven't lost a game since Crabtree came back. And it's not just because of Crabtree, because it took him weeks to kind of get warmed up. But he looked good last week, and he's a huge reason that they – he caught big 10, 11, 12, 13, 17-yard catches every time. And I think he give, he's Kaepernick's safety blanket more than Vernon Davis is. But they didn't have Davis last time either. He only played a couple plays before he went out with a concussion. Look at how much more this offense has than the one that scored nine points last time. I think I had a good time watching Panthers fans get themselves worked up on Twitter yesterday about all the disrespect they're getting from the media. Who cares? It's nothing to do with <laughs> that. Disrespect. Everyone expects this Ridiculous. to be a close game. And right. I, don't, I don't think you can blame any writer, any analyst for picking one team over the other. I think most people in the media question the Panthers' offense for good reason. If they make it to the Super Bowl, they'll have the lowest-ranked offense in Super Bowl history. I can blame writers slash analysts, people in this room, because the Carolina Panthers were the team of ATL all season. And yet you look at our picks, and the majority of us went with the Niners. Well, two of us, Wesleyan and I, took the Panthers. Yes. I'm standing strong. And that makes about, <laughs> that makes sense that it would be a, a split type of game. And We should have went I'm five go- across. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy across. it. Kaepernick's going to try to do those runs that worked against, you know, Malumbo last week and Nick Perry. But here comes Thomas Davis, and here comes Keekly tracking him down, and suddenly those 11-yard runs are two-yard runs. It's not happening. One reason, Dan, that I didn't real quick, because <laughs> yeah. we look at the Saints, and it's a, as a road team, they're such a different organization. But San Francisco has only lost two road games all year, and I don't look at Carolina as anything nearly as formidable as Lambeau Field. They're going to go in and – t- I don't think Carolina is that tough of a place to play for Carolina the Niners. Carolina's 7-1 this year. The only loss they had was because D'Angelo, just, fum- D'Angelo Williams fumbled against the Seahawks. The, and the, the Niners just aren't a team that crumbles on the road. I don't care where they go. They you travel. put them in any stadium, I don't care. It's one like, of the reasons I picked the Panthers to win is because of the crowd in Week 16 versus the Saints was one of the best crowds I've seen all year in any stadium. But against the, the Niners Saints. are not going to be intimidated by a crowd no, on the road. No, not at all. This is not the team. But, in but my opinion. I know we're saying that there's, it's a different 49ers offense, and it is. It's so much better. But the level of dominance from that first game is still something to talk about because they got six points just, just off of turnovers. Their offense scored three points. They had one of the worst games any offense has had against anyone. They got bum-rushed and beat in every possible way. And I hate to like boil it down to football cliches, but... You know, you said it was a slobber knock. It feels like this is just one of those games like, who's going to be tougher? The 49ers could not pick up a fourth and one last time. Is that because Crabtree's not in? I don't know. It was because Carolina was just pushing them around. And if they can do that, ooh, we're going to have the Panthers going to the Super Bowl. Greg is so excited. (laughs) It's adorable. When we talked to Greg Roman at the Super Bowl last year, he talked about how, and this has not been as big a deal for the Niners. I mean, you talked to him. Yeah, you were snuggling like up next we. to him. I like to use we. No, this was glory, actually this son. was before the Super Bowl. Was oh, this is in, in the, the airport. No, this was at Media Day. You have such he a basically said that we took the read option and buried it over the last <laughs> month because we wanted teams to think that we had gone away from it. That we intentionally the, the read option play count and runs for Captain nose dived at the end, and then in the playoffs they went back to it. We saw that against Green Bay. It, I don't think this team is based around that the same way that they were a year ago, but do you think that they're going to unleash Kaepernick more 
in this game than they have in the past? No, because that would be a death wish. Keekley and Davis are the two mm. fastest inside linebackers in the Hard NFL. Hard in this one. Yeah, Keekley and Davis would kill that. Can't, Davis's closing speed is unreal. I, th- I think Cam's running ability might be more important. Yeah. Did Davis get on our comeback player of the year's list? Well, I thought about it, but he really wasn't coming back this year. He came back last year. So I thought it was weird to do that. That's fair. What about Steve Smith on the offensive side of the ball? I know he's – we don't even know what he's going to be able to give to them. Um, they don't have a ton of weapons. Ted Ginn prominently involved. You don't want that against the Niners in a playoff game. Are we worried about the Panthers' ability to move the ball and score points? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You want the mind-blowingness stat of the year? <laughs> Lay it on us. From 2011-2012, Cam Newton's first two years in the NFL – Calvin Johnson, the only player in the NFL with more pass plays of 20-plus yards than Steve Smith. This year, 135 players, including Cumby, Mike Cumbie. Brown. That's Jeff Cumberland for all you. <laughs> Every Sean, single person yeah. listening. Sean McGrath, Marlon <laughs> Brown, all of these players. 135 players have more pass plays of 20-plus yards than Steve Smith. Getting old sucks. And it's what Dan tweeted, and he's right. I mean, Smith's also not the same guy he was a year ago. They're not asking him By the to way, run deep Greg, routes. you didn't. you still haven't given enough uh, Jeff Cumberland background for people to know who he is. He is a tight end <laughs> that plays for the New York Jets uh, that emerged as a prominent player this year on their middling offense. Well, you talk about their offense. They would be, they have the 26th ranked offense, and that's just in yardage, I get that, but that would be the lowest ranked offense to ever make mm. it to a Super Bowl. I, I love Cam. I love watching him. I feel like I've always defended him, but after you know, I picked the Panthers. He's the biggest concern. The passing game as a whole is easily the biggest concern, I think, on the Panthers team because, man, he misses a lot of open passes. He did it in that 49ers game the first time. He did it in Week 17 against Atlanta. They're not – he's – you don't know what you're going to get from him. I think he's the streakiest quarterback too because for a quarter or two at a time – he can just look like no one's going to stop him, and you're not sure what, what's going to pop up. I thought the 49ers game – in their win was the worst he's played all year. My, it was a horrible game. My bigger concern from a humanity perspective, uh, in a statement today, Ric Flair's agency says he has received death threats from Panthers fans following his 49ers pep talk on uh, Saturday. I'm ready for Wisconsin. that guy to not go cool. back into like a seven-year non-media hole. I don't, I don't need to hear from him again. Wait, 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 not wait. cool, David. Enough with Ric Flair. Enough with David Every Ely sending out death threats. Every day it's a story on Ric Flair. Yeah. Enough, enough, it's enough. Se- go away. Seriously, Ely, no more death threats. <laughs> um, we, should, uh, we should mention Greg begged D'Angelo Williams earlier in the year to make a defender miss. Mm. We should point out he's making defenders miss over the past four or five weeks. Average 4.4 yards per touch. Before Jonathan Stewart's Week 14 injury, since then averaging over seven yards per touch. Aren't they better when they don't have this three-headed backfield? Get Stewart out of there and well, let D'Angelo be healthy. who he is. He's going to play in this game. in the game. film say that they're like better it. with D'Angelo Williams now. Yeah. Anybody else have anything to add on this incredible game? I could see this is how I envision the game. Cam Newton's shown several times this year he can win games in the final minute. I see a game-winning field goal drive with Graham Gano is the mm, interesting. I like, like it. Like a 55-yarder. Graham Gano walk off. I would be afraid. It's funny because Cam had this l- really lame reputation going into the year in these close games, which was wasn't fair to him. And yet, I'd be terrified of him at the end of games. He has been so money in those spots. He's one of the guys I'd be most afraid of. 
All right, so that is our preview of the Divisional Weekend. We will be back on Sunday night to go over all four games. Very exciting. We're looking forward to the games. We know you guys are as well. Hey, the gold standard behind the glass. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. What's going on with those Stitcher Awards? Did we win yet? We haven't won yet, and we need our listeners' help. So, in order to vote for us in this year's Stitcher Awards, go to stitcher.promotw.com. That's stitcher.promotw.com. Follow the simple steps on screen. you got to log in with your Facebook, and you've got to like Stitcher on there. And uh, vote for us in the category of Best Sports Commentary. And here, friends, is the kicker. You can vote once a day. Mm, nice. So do it a lot. Follow-up question. What is Stitcher? Stitcher is in... <laughs> no, I don't, I, don't, it, I don't care. Oh, I was so excited. <laughs> yeah. You, you also have been nominated for Most Seductive Producer Award. Oh, I think K. Rich... Is the ninety nine point nine percent favorite in this category? That's but all right. You're we basically play, the Chargers play, of, of yeah. this competition. You play the, the underdog role here. That's fine. <laughs> all right. So yeah, we'll we'll see you Sunday. Thank you for listening. Signing off. This is Dan Hansis for the Mailman, the Sizzler, the Boss, the Gold Standard. Until Sunday. Like Will Purdue. Thankfully, I never knew you as a child. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.